Hello, Internet. Welcome to another episode of the Get Geek Podcast. Um, we're going to have a conversation about the new film, newish film by Michael Bay, uh, Six Underground, this week. But first, uh, let's do the introductions. My name is Jose. Uh, I'm Wolfie. AJ. Eli. And this is Walt. And so before we begin, I think, Walt, you wanted to do a quick mini review of a new streaming service that's, uh, well, about quick content. How did you give us some some impressions about that real quick? Sure. Why not? Um, So the streaming service that you're talking about is called Quibi. Um, It just came out April 6th. And for any of the T-Mobile subscribers, which I am, you actually get the service free for a year. Um, so the the platform is, is, like I said, it's called Quibi, and it's short for Quick Bytes, and that's, that's exactly what, what the, the content hmm. is. I was thinking that. I was like, is it Quick Bytes? What does it stand for? Go ahead. Yeah, it's Quick Bytes. Mm-hmm. So this thing is backed by Jeffrey Katzenberg, and he's got he's got a couple of big players behind it. Um, you got Walt Disney, you got NBC Universal, Sony Pictures, Warner Media, Viacom, um, and right now it has about fifty different um, shows, I guess, if you want to call it, on mm-hmm. the uh, the platform itself. Now. The, the gist of the platform is that it's only mobile-based. You can't watch it on a web browser. You can't stream it mm. uh, from your phone to the Apple TV. It's just yeah. solely on your phone. And it's filmed in a way that you can either watch it landscape or portrait. Okay, so it's probably more like a, of a TV, old television aspect ratio, 4.3 or something like that. Is no, you why? you can actually you actually hold your your iPhone the wrong way to take pictures, you know, where where it's like it's top to bottom, and you can actually watch it that way, or you can flip your phone and watch it landscape, and in both aspect ratios, it'll work. So you can go sixteen by nine or nine by sixteen. So it fills the screen, you mean? Like, and, yep. it, and it and it shows you the the things that's it's supposed to highlight. I suppose exactly, exactly. Oh, okay. That's somewhat that's, interesting. That's yeah, really that's interesting. A, a proprietary uh, technology, which apparently the company is actually being sued by from another person that said that they had they had the uh, the technology to do this. But that's neither here nor there. Um, mm-hmm. There's some interesting shows on there, and the thing about it is that they're about five to ten minutes long. Mm-hmm. So the episodes, right? For Each episode consumption. Okay. Um, one of the more interesting ones is the one that I actually really, really like. It's called Most Dangerous Game, and it stars um, Liam Helmsworth and Christopher Waltz. Oh wow! They got some powerhouses. Christopher, yeah, they do. They do. Um, there's another one that has Sophie Turner. I'll, I'll get into that shortly, but um, there's about five movies that are that are cut up into pieces and what they do is they drop it every day on the weekday so today where we're recording on saturday there's no new episode on sunday there's no new episode but monday continues 
And so for the one most dangerous game, there are 12 episodes. You put them together, it's a two-hour movie. So the premise of that is that there's a guy, Liam Helmsworth, who's the star of the show. And he's uh, a guy that's down on his luck. He's struggling to, you know, make his mortgage and stuff. And then he finds out, oh, and his wife is about to give birth to his first son. And then he finds out that he has cancer. And it's, it's one of these cancers that are inoperable. Wow, okay. And so he goes to Christopher Watts's character who is you know one of these um one of these fund managers and he's asking for a loan to see if you know he can keep everything afloat until you know and hopefully gain some money to get some medical um, attention so that he could at least survive until uh, his son is born and unfortunately he can't give him the loan but he gives him a different proposition he's a part of this secret society where there's all these rich people who hunt other people oh my god so he gives them the opportunity and he says the the way it goes is that um he has to survive for 24 hours and on each hour he gets fifty thousand dollars and it doubles every hour that he's alive until he hits the 20th hour and then it becomes a million dollars and it continues to double until the end of the game if he survives the 24 hours he walks away with almost 12.5 million dollars but he has five hunters after him he doesn't know who they are um he can't use there's no guns he can't go and ask for help and he has to walk around with a cell phone that's given to him by christopher waltz and on every hour it pings his location so um the way they cut it up is pretty interesting because with each episode it kind of ends in a cliffhanger so i like man I like the pacing of it. It's actually really, really good. It's probably one of the better shows on that platform. Um, there's another show with Sophie Turner and uh, Corey, Corey Walker, I believe is his name. Um, I'll find out for you anyway. But that one's called Survive, and that one is about a plane crash. So the, the thing about seeing these shows is that the production value is very, very high. So you're not getting any cheap CW type shows you're getting netflix budget sized content um they have some reality shows one of them is being chrissy teigen where she kind of plays um a, a judge in a court and she settles wacky you know court cases um there's a new version of punked with chance the rapper as the host um they do little news uh segments they do sports they do everything so there's a lot of promise to it, um, but there's a lot of backlash as well because especially now in the, the environment that we're in where everybody's kind of shut in, the mobile thing doesn't work. This is meant for people who are very short in time. You're on the bus, you're on the train, and you want to catch a quick show. But now that everybody's kind of shut it in, there's a big backlash because you can't stream it to your TV, and a yeah. lot of people want to be able to watch it on the TV. Um, yeah, but 
like I said, there's about 50 things on there. It's mixed between reality, news, sports, and movies. And they're looking to add way more. They're going to scale up um, very, very quickly. And like I said, there's a lot of big players behind it. So right now, I think the launch is a little bit better than Apple TV Plus's launch. But yeah. we have to see the kind of content that they continue to, to put out before we can say that this is like a, a the new Netflix or the new Hulu or even the new Amazon Prime, you know? Or it'll be that's, something totally different, I, I feel like. It is, it is. Yeah, I mean, it, that's really di- interesting. I think that, like, what they're doing is technically smart, even though they even though they have, like, a bunch of backlash, because if if they are not allowing people to be able to stream it to the television, then they're not allowing people to come compare their product to netflix so they're essentially not competing with netflix directly right. you know what i mean and the thing yeah. is that you know i think they might be capitalizing on a little bit of a, a new trend i mean it's a trend for me where there's so much stuff out there <clears throat> i don't actually necessarily have the time to watch or sit and watch a whole movie a lot of times so i end up watching movies in bits and pieces like i'll watch 30 to 40 minutes of a movie then i'll stop and you know get to like my errands or whatever and stuff like that then i'll watch another 20 or 30 and, and it seems like they're kind of capitalizing on that trend of people like being a little bit more comfortable digesting full movies but in small little breaks you know um you know because you know i i think that like streaming has 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 brought that new like a different kind of approach to movie watching whereas before it used to be you rent the movie you you know you may you go on a date night or something like that you make it an event where since it's now always available it's not really an event you know you can pause it whenever you want you can you can you know stop it then go somewhere else and then watch it on your ipad then ipad then go watch it on your phone like it's kind of i think what they're doing is actually pretty smart so especially when every all of this stuff you know with the uh, quarantine and the lockdowns and stuff like that ends they're going to be in prime position that's clearly why they're also doing monday through friday releases because they're they want to capitalize on the workday. So exactly, and 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 like I said, you know, I just to echo what you're saying, that's exactly right. They're, that's the audience that they're trying to to reach. It's yeah. just fortunate timing of when they they launched, because now, yeah. like you said, the people that they're trying to reach are the people that are the workforce. You know, Monday through Friday people. But guess what? Those people are home now. You know. So it, it, it's just a, a timing issue, um, but it's going to be interesting if they kind of relent to the backlash and say, okay, yeah, we're going to allow you to do it. Um, I don't think they will, but hey, you, know, you never know. If, if there's enough people crying, you know what happens. You know, We have, we have Star Wars as a, a perfect example of that. Yikes. Huh. Okay. Yeah, I don't think they're going to relent. I think a lot of these companies that have these new models, um, other than, than uh, oh man, I can't even remember the name of that that darn service that allows you to watch a movie a day for a while and then change their model. Um, oh, you're talking <laughs> about uh, move, the movie? Movie Pass. Movie, movie Pass, pass yeah. right? Yeah. That was one company that was like, kind of flipping around its model, but this sounds like something that they're trying to commit to. Um, and we'll see. We'll see if it works out. Yep. So, all right. 
There you so, go. Let's get into what we were actually going to talk about. Let's get into, yeah, let's get into a quick uh, quote-unquote synopsis of the film that we're talking about. Again, Six Underground is a release that was um, put out on Netflix. It was directed by Michael Bidet, produced by Michael Bay, uh, written by Paul Wernick and Rhett Reese. And it's starring Ryan Reynolds, Melanie Laurent, Corey Hawkins, Manuel Garcia Rufo, Adria Arjona, Payman Mahdi, Ben Hardy, and Dave Franco. Um, and it's an action film. Um, and so, so the quick synopsis of this movie, if I can somehow try to make sense of all of this, is uh, essentially four years after a brutal regime um, just, just did these unspeakable things that um, Ryan Reynolds' character, whose name is One, he's a nameless character, that's the reason for the name of the movie, Six Underground. They're all characters who uh, describe themselves as dead or end up in a situation where they fake their own deaths and become these sort of underground operatives um, that really, like, I guess, like, chase the biggest bad guys in the world, right? But um, he fakes his own death and he forms this uh, vigilante squad that I talked about. And they take down terrorists and criminals that governments don't really handle. Um, so one and his team, which at the beginning of the movie is uh, two, who's a spy. Three is a hitman. Four is a parkour runner and thief. Uh, five is a doctor. And six is a driver. Okay. And uh, two is sort of a Eastern European or French sounding woman. Three is a, a Hispanic male who's the hitman. Four is a, like a white English guy who's the parkour runner and thief. Five is a, a young Hispanic woman. And six is a, a young male. Okay. So this is the team at the beginning of the movie. And there's a mission that they're on in Italy. Um and what ends up happening is that you know they're they're trying to accomplish this mission, and um, they end up well, the 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 entire mission. It's really hard to explain this movie, but they're trying to accomplish this mission to take out some of the operatives of this Turkestan government, this Turkestan president who's corrupt, um, and the six character who's the driver who goes through this really cool chase scene where they're getting chased by all these guys on motorcycles and whatever else through the streets of Italy, uh, getting chased by cars, getting chased by police and helicopters. And it's a really good chase scene to start off the movie. Um, but he ends up dying actually. So they end up getting away for the most part, but he ends up kind of impaling himself. But, but spoilers, uh, but the spoilers, spoiler warning, spoiler warning. Um, is this too much of a synopsis? All right. So he gets, um, so six. All right. We should at least give the spoiler warning. Spoiler warning. Spoiler warning. Um, so, so that set, sets up the, the beginning of the movie. And then essentially the rest of the movie is, it starts with, um, one Ryan Reynolds character recruiting a new team member, um, whose name is Blaine. They give his name in the movie because they show his backstory, which I won't really describe here, but he ends up being number seven um, in the team. So it's actually one, two, three, four, five, seven is the new six underground. Um, and they end up going on this mission to stage this massive coup d'etat against the, the leader of Turkestan 
in which they try to install his his brother, who's more democratic and more of a good guy, as the leader of Turkestan. And so the entire movie continues from there, and it's just a, an action ride from beginning to end. There's lots of crazy fight scenes. There's lots of crazy chase scenes. And that's, I guess, a somewhat of a synopsis with a mild spoiler at the beginning uh, of how this movie goes. <laughs> so, yeah, I guess I'll open it up for very quickly. Whoever wants to give a, a quick impression uh, in the spirit of the movie, being six teammates, a quick impression in less than six words. Um, I guess I'll go first. Uh, yes. I would, uh, I would say that this movie is Fast and Furious meets Deadpool. Wait, Deadpool is one word technically. Yes. Yes. <laughs> yeah. There you go. It would be. Mm-hmm. So yeah, basically, Fast and Furious meets Deadpool. That's my and six I, words. I guess I'll go next. Uh, this technically counts as one word. This first one, light speed. Light speed. That's it. That's oh. it. No, 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 no. <laughs> light speed. America. Magnets. <laughs> explosions. Ragdolling, and most important of all. Don't. <laughs> okay. 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 Um, Six word impressions. Okay. All right. Go ahead. I'll give you mine real quick. Um, it's pretty easy for me. Bonkers, over the top, and action packed. I, I think that that pretty much covers, especially that first one, bonkers, because the movie mm-hmm. truly is way out there. So. Um, crazy, funny, brutal, crazy, funny, brutal, clumsy, confusing, rushed, and why? <laughs> that? Yeah. Is that seven I just words? Want to add that last one because okay, you, you, you put seven in the spirit of the character seven, right? Yes. Six oh. and a bonus word. Good. Why? There you go. Why though? <laughs> nice word. I think nice Jose, you're up next. Okay, um, my would mine would be uh, fifty movies in one. That's four words. Yes, fifty movies in one. Yeah, it's an exaggeration, but <laughs> that's my sum of it. And that's yeah. I'll, I'll just leave it at that. Um, so I guess we can open up the floor. Are we opening up the floor to spoilers at this point, or just general impressions? Yeah, basically. Spoilers, full spoilers for for this movie. Okay. So, yeah. Like I said earlier, I think the opening chase scene is actually pretty cool. It's a nice way to open the movie. It's got a, a nice little bit of shock there. Um, like I said, it's a spoiler that I gave away a bit earlier, but with uh, the driver ending up getting getting killed that early on in the movie, especially because it's Dave Franco, who's he's pretty a pretty well-known actor, pretty famous actor. So it was a nice little swerve at the beginning. Um, and, you know, he's he's one of the characters that would have worked well in the movie, I think. But I don't know. What did yeah. you guys think about that beginning scene? Well, like, like the whole they, chase scene, all that. They did a very similar thing to his brother, James Franco, right? In Alien Covenant. God, mm. what a good opportunity. But uh, I haven't you, seen it. 
Yeah, I haven't seen it. <laughs> Spoiler. Is it early in the movie, though? Because if it's early in the movie, now I, I can't perfect. say. But <laughs> right. All right. Uh, but yeah, no, go on. Sorry, guys. I, I really need to catch up to your level of uh, you guys as a like, movie, like I guess, repertoire. Especially uh, some of the alien movies and some of those. You're, you're way behind. I'm way behind on yeah. those, too. But I'm sorry. Go ahead, AJ. Yeah, um, me personally, uh, I it's not often that I, I don't like being dropped in the middle of something and then have five to ten minutes of unexplained craziness ensue. It was actually 15 minutes. It was a so, lot. Even worse. A <laughs> not, not adding any comfort to that. Sorry. It just, uh, it's just, no. I didn't think that was so bad because what the movie seemed to try to do after that was kind of pull together the backstories later on in the film, kind of tell you mm-hmm. who all these characters were and what they were up to. So I didn't see that as a huge downer because um, I thought the sequence was pretty fun and I thought the, the action was pretty good and pretty creative at the beginning there. And and well choreographed, you know, good stunts. All of that was was kind of interesting and not necessarily like every other action movie. At, well, I, I, at least at the I, beginning. I will say this. I don't think I've ever seen an action sequence where so many bodies were thrown <laughs> all over the place. I mean, it seemed like there were bodies flying at the screen every five seconds and in, in various different ways as yes. well. People were people were getting hit by cars, run over by cars, flying out of cars, going through cars. I I, I don't think I've ever seen a sequence that chaotic and crazy ever. Yeah, you know, that was probably the whole movie to me. <laughs> I haven't seen that many bodies fly around in a movie in general. They they did very creative things with flying bodies. I don't think I've ever seen that before in a film. Um, so. Yeah, without spoiling the rest of the movie, I will say that was something that was sort of interesting. I was kind of trying to pick out the sequences that were obvious uh, CGI ragdolls and the yeah. sequences where they were actually stuntmen. And sometimes it was a little tough to figure out which was which, which was pretty good, and which was pretty good speaking in terms of the special effects. Um. Yeah. Yeah. There is an Easter egg mm-hmm. in there, a, mm-hmm. a very well. It's not a, an actual Easter egg, but there's a part in the film where Ryan Reynolds is in the car and they're doing a big stunt. Mm-hmm. And in the movie, if you if you look at it very very quickly, you see Ryan Reynolds as a spectator filming the stunt on screen. So you had Ryan Reynolds filming Ryan Reynolds. Really? Yeah. I didn't yeah. catch that. I saw that. It, 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 the only way I found out is because I did a little research. I, I went online and I listened to some of his interviews and stuff. And supposedly he posted this, I think, on either his Instagram or Twitter, where he showed the stunt that they were filming. And they, they showed it in the film. And he was in the film. I guess they digitally put him in there, but he like you won't be able to know it's him unless he pointed it out. 
but there was something very meta for him to do. You know, yeah, so he's, Ryan Reynolds watching Ryan Reynolds on screen. So that in a, in a cast list somewhere. I don't know. I was looking up some details in the movie and I saw that. Oh, and it's seven o'clock uh, actually here. Um, and they can hear the people cheering outside and people banging pots and pans or something. There you go. For those of you out there who are looking for something a little more inspirational and a little a little oh, more awesome. to look forward to in these times. I don't know if you guys hear that in your neighborhoods, but it's definitely been going on here recently. Yeah, um, my neighborhood. Yeah, I don't. Yeah, we don't have that going on over here. In, yeah, in Bushwick. They're honking their horns and doing all that over here. So, I'll take a moment to acknowledge that and thank you to all of those people out there who are who are helping out from the front lines in this uh, in this situation that we're all in right now. Um, mm-hmm. But I don't, you know. So, so not to stray too far, but you know, I like I said, I thought this movie. And this opening sequence um, was definitely very interesting. And the Ryan Reynolds thing, I think I caught that, like I said, in a, in a cast thing somewhere. You know, um, um, to be honest, I actually think that, like, the impaling of Dave Franco was uh, the biggest letdown for me in the movie, to be honest with you. Um, I thought that, like, you know, one thing that I thought that they did decently well in that opening sequence with the car chase and everything is that you see the majority of the characters all in the car, minus yeah. the parkour guy. But what they did in those first 15 minutes is, is give you really quick character development of every single one of those characters. And I was already quickly, like, you know, loving Dave Franco's character. You know, it was classic Dave Franco. Um, but we were already seeing him first being timid, then like getting in the zone and stuff like that, getting a little bit more comfortable with like his position on the team. And, you know, as far as like, you know, within the span of the 15 minutes go and, and the mission and the intensity of the mission and stuff, but still like him getting impaled, um, it just kind of sucks because I really, you know, from a team dynamic, he represented like pretty much the new guy on the team like you know the rookie you know and 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 whenever you have kind of like these team ensembles you always have the rookie you know in fast and the furious it was paul walker in um oceans 11 it was matt damon's character and this one it really felt like de franco's however after impaling him and then recruiting the new guy the new guy isn't technically a rookie since he's like a special forces sniper you know um, and the new guy ended up bringing actually, you know, more veteran. He kind of made everyone else look, look like new guys. So I felt like that kind of messed up the dynamic for me from a team-based uh, movie, so to speak. Well, I think I think the reason that um, Dave Franco's character, you know, he uh, he kind of bit it at the beginning was kind of like that whole underlying. Um, theme that one had the character one, where it's right. Like the no, I understand. More important than the team, you know. But I agree with you. I th- I think, and I even Jose referenced it to the before, where Dave Ca- Dave Franco's character he kind of fit with the squad, you know, and we're yeah. going to see him, yeah, at least actually maybe to the middle of the movie or something like that, you know. Yeah, maybe, maybe, maybe like on on like their second mission, or you know, realistically, when it should have happened, which is the right way to do it when it comes to like traditional filmmaking. Of course, Michael Bay is the most non-traditional filmmaker <laughs> there is, 
I think, but when it comes to traditional filmmaking, there's a section of the movie called the all is lost moment. And we didn't really have that moment in this film necessarily, but the all is lost moment is when the most detrimental thing happens in the film, which is usually at the, like towards the second, the end of the second act. And it's the, um, the moment where the, the mission has failed possibly somebody has died and the viewer doesn't see how they can win anymore you know and we didn't necessarily have that i think that the uh the 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 closest moment that we had that to was in hong kong when they were trapped and everybody was closing in on them and they didn't have a way out until uh seven ended up shooting the pool and kind of creating a distraction for them to get out that was the closest moment or rather i guess when the parkour guy, he's number four, I think, when when he was about to, when when they were going to leave him for dead. That was the mm-hmm. closest thing. But that happened about halfway through the movie. You still have a whole hour left for you to digest, you know, everything else that's coming. You kind of forget about that emotion that you had in that moment, you know? Movie was, this movie was really long, too. It was yeah, too long. It was before, yeah, it was a really long movie. Um, um, and, and I felt like, no, go on. Yeah, no, I I feel like I I sort of agree with you. Like I kind of understood the point with uh, Six's character dying, um, in a sense because then they brought in Seven and he kind of instilled more of like a family team dynamic that Ryan Reynolds ends up following his that one's character ends up following. But it also like it didn't even happen. Like it could happen, like you said, Wolfie, at the end of the second act and the all is lost moment. You can pull it off effectively at the end of the first act as well, maybe, but this mm-hmm. wasn't even that far into the movie. So yeah. like it, and then again, like the, the other, you know, who, like who kind of didn't do it for me as a character. Um, I didn't see so much of the point for two or three, the, the CI. Yeah, that's true. That's true. And three, Hitman. They were kind of the same character. Like I understand that they had like, different different specialties according to the movie but they were just both two badass killers right um, so you could have had one of them maybe die early on and instead it kept dave kept dave frankel on um well, i mean seven he's I like that that actor he's pretty good but you know the thing is the thing is i could see them working together because they were kind of like their own team within the team you know, especially with their love interest and stuff. Yeah. But the one character that actually did not do anything that she had to do was the doctor. She's a doctor. She only acted as the doctor in the beginning of the film. And then that's it. We had no more doctor. We just had mm-hmm. her being a badass, like, killer also. I like that actress, too. She was in good Yeah, order. I know. But she didn't do anything that had to do doctor-related. Yeah, at the end yeah, of the movie, like, she was the just a distraction. Like expert. She was, like, the attractive distraction. Yeah. 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 Um, I actually, I have, you know what? I just thought about this now. The film could have been better simply by instead of killing Franco, leave him alive, and then call the movie Seven on the Ground. And then the first mission shows them that they're not good enough yet and they need a veteran. So they go out and recruit someone that's a veteran. Yeah. You didn't, they're like, you know what? I think we need seven. And boom, they get number seven. Yeah. That probably would have been better. (laughs) <laughs> I don't know. I didn't see why they got rid of him. I, yeah, I but they would have added then like another thirty minutes to the movie. 
Maybe, I guess. I mean, I don't, I don't know. Like, it's just, it's not like, they, it's not like they needed like a huge amount of time to do the recruiting the way they did it because, like, he just showed up at some point in the movie. Essentially, it's like, oh, here's this guy who like went through this tragedy, and now Ryan Reynolds is here, and he's going to recruit you. Like, yeah, all that could have basically happened in the same amount of time if you had. Yeah, nothing necessarily needed to be changed. I think, I think you know, I think like I read a little bit online that this is supposed to be like, um. Uh, Michael Bay Unleashed because since it's on Netflix, there's no real rating bar. Like, there's no reason not to give him free range, right? Like, you kind of got to make Ninja Turtles and Transformers PG-13 because you gotta. He wants to have as many people buy tickets. It's on Netflix, so it doesn't even matter anymore. Which is why we had literal head explosions and <laughs> you know stuff like that, which he doesn't necessarily get to do. Um, Man, so Bobby. if this is Michael Bay unleashed, please somebody put chains back on him. Shaky they, they basically gave him 150 million dollars and said, do, "Do whatever the hell you want." Yeah, yeah. man, seriously. And that's just so. the beginning of the movie. <laughs> Honestly, even the beginning of the movie is already like vintage, insane Michael Bay. But it's actually, like I said, I I enjoyed the beginning. I want to hear from Eli. Actually, uh, this this is the first time that I'm like looking forward to Eli's uh, reviews. <laughs> yeah. Um, I'm I'm pretty sure mine's is gonna be the same as everybody else's, especially AJ's. Um, but is it the first time you guys agree? Uh, possibly. I can't. Possibly. I can't think of another time. Wow, Unity through Six Underground, amazing. <laughs> so yeah, okay. Eli, go ahead. So I liked the idea of the magnet thing, but it seems too out of the ordinary. Like it wasn't really fit for an action movie. Um, the same thing with like, I mean, it see it seems like Fast and Furious type, and I know that Walt said that, and I don't remember who else, but it seems Me. like, yeah, you, um, AJ, uh, it's like. It was too crazy. Um, the plot was overhyped, definitely with the three heists. But I do understand why, because um, they had to track down the general. Um, the generals in order to gain, in order to obtain the info on where he was, they had to find the the good brother. That's what I'm naming him. I forgot what his name was. It was Murat. Murat. Yeah. Yeah. But, like, you don't have to have a third one. If you're, like, you could just, like, you. that's why you have a sniper. You have, you can assassinate, like, the evil brother. Just assassinate him. And then that's the true. next in line would be the, well, the good brother. No, not necessarily, because that's actually why they needed to do a coup. Because they didn't want to just assassinate. Because it's one thing to just kill the, and this is actually kind of true. This is where I felt like they kind of got a few things right. You know, it's like this, this is really how you overthrow a government. You have to, you have to not just kill the, the, the top of the, you know, the, the top of the, the dictator, because then the generals would just take the place. Just like in a lot of these countries, when somebody gets mm -hmm. killed, it's the generals that take over and they rule militarily. So you got to take out the generals as well. But not only that, you also have to have the public on your side, right? You got to have the people, you got to have the coup come from the people not just from an assassination well um actually but the thing was before the third heist didn't they do the um 
thing with the um how it spread it to the public and that and also with the generals the whole point of the like the first heist was to kill all of the generals the third the before the third one that's when uh murat i think he spoke to the public and then that would be it would it not and then after like murat spoke to the public that's when you assassinate the dude but i don't know now now that i'm saying it it feels like I, I feel like that would be too... Yeah, we wouldn't have a, a movie at that point. Yeah. Cause, cause yeah. That's yeah. You wouldn't yeah, have I mean, a plot anymore. About 30 minutes of that movie, probably. Yeah. Being honest. Because, I mean, there were almost sequences where, like, there were throwaway bits of action. Because it was like, this action scene is over. And then, like, for a split second, they have a conversation. And then another bad guy rushes out and they kill that bad guy. And they have a conversation again for a couple of seconds. And another bad guy rushes out and they kill that bad guy. Like, there was just... Yeah. So there, was much, just... There, were, there were no moments of respite that you normally find in a, in a really good action movie, in my opinion. You know what the issue is? That this is like... Weird. This, this is just something that's very unique to Michael Bay and it's the Michael Bay comedy. And I like to call, I like to call back to some of the best examples of the Michael Bay comedy and some of the worst examples, best examples of Michael Bay comedy is Will Smith and Martin Lawrence in bad boys when they're getting shot at and they'll shoot, shoot, shoot. Then like, you know, talk crap to each other and, you know, kind of roast each other and shoot, 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 go back to roasting each other. It plays well. It looks awesome. It's, it's great. Bad example of that is Ninja Turtles and Ninja Turtles. They kind of, some, some of that same stuff would happen. They would like have action scene, action scene, but then like forget about everything that's going on around us. All the people trying to kill us and the explosions. Let's get into like this little rift between me and you, Leonardo and Raphael, and then back to the action scene, then back, you know, like he doesn't, you know, it's, it's something that's very specific to his movies. Um, but I don't think that it played that great in this one. Uh, yeah, I think it was just too much of it, actually. Yeah, it, it was very nonstop. And like Walt said, bodies flying everywhere at a frenetic <laughs> pace yeah. For, yeah. for the entire runtime of this movie. Um, what, I, what I definitely will say is I enjoyed some of the, the stunts and some of the set pieces in this movie. But like it suffers from the same issue that I see in most Michael Bay movies is that his camera work is too shaky. And it annoys me because... Because it kind of it it downplays one thing that he's really good at, which is stunt set pieces. You don't get to see it like in in its fluidity, and in, and like you don't see how cool some of the work some of these stunt people are doing. Like for instance, some of the parkour stuff. Although I think that some of that was really cool and it's really well shot from uh, Four's perspective, where he was doing the parkour. Some of it was yeah. kind of first person, and that was kind of cool. But like the shaky cam doesn't let you see like kind of the grace of all of the, some of the action in these movies. Yeah, and that's true. Crazy after a while, and, and the Transformers movies suffer from that too. I feel. Like. I think it's not even the shaky cam. It's like, like the more movies he makes, the more he wants to do forty-five uh, worm's eye view angles, right? And it'll just switch to forty-five degree on the right side worm's eye view, and then back to the other way. And it's like, I feel like. I feel like if anything, you're like a dog that, you know, like that thing that dogs do when they're confused, that they turn their head and they turn it again. I feel like that's what Michael Bay is doing with the camera. <laughs> um, yeah. Actually, I pointed out one scene. Uh, it was during the parkour part with, um, I think it was one of like the backstories for, what was his name, Billy? Yeah. Um, 
he it looks like he had a GoPro on, and I swear, like I even said this to AJ, um, that I I would have th- if I hadn't seen the rest of the movie, I would have thought it was like one of those compilations on Facebook where it's like freaking only parkour and it has that overhyped <laughs> music. It's so funny. Weren't huh? you weren't you guys bugging out over the use of the the song "Run"? Yes. Uh, yeah. Oh, my, oh god. my god! I can't believe they put a meme in the movie. Yo, <laughs> <laughs> oh. that, that's Michael Bay for you. It's Bayham, Bayham, Mayhem, yeah, Bayham. It, it's just it's utter. It's an assault on the senses, really. Oh god, that's you why know? they even had like the the seizure warning at the beginning of the movie. You guys all saw that, Did right? They? I didn't See, even re- I didn't realize that. Strobing, yeah, there was a strobing lights effect, like seizure warning at the beginning of the movie, and like that oh was gosh. kind of what it was like to experiencing it. To experience it, it was just hammering with you. And the only respite that I did enjoy even though it was too long and it wasn't perfectly paced, was when they did tell the characters' backstories. I liked some of their backstories. They were kind of interesting to a certain extent. Even yeah. though some of them were cliche, I thought they were kind of interesting. I don't know. What did you guys I, think? I, just, I didn't like the way they interspersed it within the movie. Yeah, the yeah. pacing was weird. The pacing was weird on that. Yeah, I think it, it took away because you have action, 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 break. Let's tell this guy's story. Action, yeah, that action, didn't make sense. I didn't like that at all. I think that the way it should have been done is everything from the new guy's perspective, because he's a new guy, so you should show scenes of him trying to get to know each individual character, and it should have been, hey, this is this was my backstory, and this is how one saved me. You know, that does a little bit of character building for one without one being the one telling you who he is and stuff like that, you know? You could have uh, done it the way they did it in um, Saving Private Ryan. Where you had yeah. where you had that kid and he's going around asking. Yeah, yeah, you know, exactly, the, exactly. The it's just, you know, uh, you know uh, that that actually kind of makes me mad and upset because I see how this movie could have been done so much better, and we're not going to get the good. It's I almost kind of get the Star Wars feeling. It's like there's a good underlying, there's potential, but it's wasted. You know, hey Gabe, yeah, don't, don't fret too much because. I was reading online. They're trying to make Netflix is trying to make this a franchise. Yeah, no, I know. Movies, you know. I know, I know. I mean, <laughs> I, mean I but I do hope that like they get better in the sense that like they don't need to do a lot of character building. I guess not that they did much in this one, but um, I just hope it's a little bit more coherent. You know, and that that was oddly. Oddly done in another way, too, because they had some exposition that wasn't really necessary to be done in real time or in the, in the present. Like, you had the whole sequence with Three going to visit his mother, who had dementia, in the in the hospital where she yeah. was, or in the mm-hmm. home care place. I'm like, and then you have Ryan Reynolds popping out. And, you know, uh, that did serve a purpose. That. That that, go. No, 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 that, that did serve a purpose. It served the purpose of dehumanizing Ryan Reynolds' character, so that you have the opportunity to humanize him in the end. Right, but but the way that everyone else's backstory was told was very different, and that's why I guess yeah. the, the way that it was done was a little strange for me because they didn't give you a lot of his backstory up until that that point in the present. And you know, I, he, he, he played 
he played the role of comedy relief mostly. Yeah. Yeah. That's something that Michael Bay likes to do. He likes to take one character and just solely make him uh, yeah. the, the comic relief. And the disturbing thing for me is that that's the second time I've seen him do that to a Spanish character because he's done that in the Transformers movies where you had that Spanish guy and he's, you know, all oh. he did was just be play the fool in the movie. You know, Revenge of the Fallen, was it? Oh, I don't. I don't remember seeing that one. But he did it. He did it in the second Transformers movie with the uh, the two the two robots that are black guys. Yeah, exactly. It's it's a little. It's is, a little yeah, that's that's very uncomfortable. It's like it's too childish. You know what I mean? And the thing that I don't like is that you they kind of revert. He basically is essentially wants to do the the fart joke of the movie essentially, right? He wants to take one character and then something really stupid happens to him and now he's just a bumbling idiot. Like when he got mm-hmm. hit with the laughing gas, all of a sudden, like these guys are professionals, they got masks, but somehow he gets hit with the laughing gas. And now he's a bumbling idiot that that ends up like compromising the entire mission because he's such an idiot. Yeah, he, he did that he, he did in Armageddon. He did it in Armageddon with Steve Buscemi's uh, character, remember? He gets, like, mm-hmm. space dementia, and all of a sudden he's, uh, like, <laughs> yeah. you know, riding the nuke and stuff. Yep. No nukes, no nukes, no nukes. That character took off the filter to to put that, that stupid smiley sticker on. To, to Yeah, that's right. And it again, it was, it was a funny moment, but it what's purpose did it serve really? Yeah, I know it just served the purpose of the fart joke. It's like, ha ha ha, exactly. look at that guy, he's an idiot, you know. But I think we've matured a little bit from that. It seems like, yeah. like all this stuff was really funny and cool when I was like a teenager, but I feel like I've grown up and Michael Bay hasn't. <laughs> um, Andre, I haven't really heard from Andre. AJ, rather. <laughs> Sorry. Yes. What's uh, what's what's um, what's your kind of take on the movie? I, I mean, aside from your, this should be, huh? Hey, I just want, I just wanted to make a quick point also about how that character, the the Hispanic character, was the comic relief character, and not really about how he was a, a racially, uh, a racial character in terms of the comic relief, but more so like. If you think about it, there's two comic relief characters in this movie because you have Ryan Reynolds, who's the main character, who has to play the role yeah. of Great Man as well as comic relief because of the way this movie is set up. So for me, that also kind of doesn't make it work if you're going by yeah. the formula. Just a quick oh. thought on that. Mm-hmm. So just I, I, I haven't been – I'm not – much of an action movie person anymore i'm not gonna lie uh fast and the furious movies not too fond of this let's put it on a completely different level like (laughs) i'm sorry i couldn't stand it I, i really just can't the only thing that i found remotely funny in the movie was when number three repeatedly punched that guy in the face saying, look, I'm going to knock him out. And he doesn't <laughs> knock him out after each and every punch. <laughs> and it's just assaulting the poor brother of this dictator. That's you like, know, in a nutshell, you, you know, you know, 
what's one thing that I didn't get? Um, so first of all, I've actually been hit with laughing gas, and that's not actually it's that's not how laughing gas works. First of <laughs> all, okay, um, I've had to get laughing gas essentially given to me because I needed to get a molar taken off. And the reason it's called laughing gas is because first it knocks you out, and then when you come out of the anesthetic. <laughs> You laugh because you you're high. But first thing that it does is completely you to sleep, and then when you wake up is when you start laughing. It does not work the way that it did in the movie at all. And then the second thing is when he hits the guys with laughing gas, and then he's mad at somebody that's laughing at him. He starts grabbing it like, "Oh, you laughing at me? You think I'm funny? You think I'm a joke?" And starts beating the crap out of him, and then makes him like use his thumb for like a fingerprint. I'm like. Dude, you hit him with the laughing gas. Like, it's not like what the hell's wrong with you? It just kind of makes him seem like an idiot. Yeah, the the movie's all over the place, really. You know. Yeah. Yeah. The only characters that I found somewhat intriguing were one, of course, because Ryan Reynolds. If he wasn't in this movie, I, I would. I'm going to be honest. This kind of gives away my overall feeling about it. I probably wouldn't have watched the whole movie. Um. Like I said, I found two and three to be, although interesting in some ways, mostly like throwaway character or mostly throwaway characters. Four was interesting. Five didn't do much. We missed out on six, and seven was okay. Like in terms of both the acting and everything else, in terms of you know, the overall. You know, I I, I kind of have feelings towards seven, where like I didn't necessarily think that his backstory was bad. I thought his backstory was great actually, because he represents um what the what the scenario is for a lot of people you know in the military that have gone through these situations um like he did which the backstory for him is that he was a sniper that's covering his team and he is uh warning his he's asking permission to shoot the driver of a uh, a van that's full of bombs and explosives that has the un mark on it however he's not getting the permission to shoot so he doesn't take the shot and the van blows up essentially his whole team mm-hmm. um he's only the lone survivor because he's perched out you know as a sniper um and whatnot and and so he has to deal with the struggle of being the lone survivor you know it's called survivor's remorse and they these are the people that are most um often the victims of suicides from uh from ptsd because they feel like they should have been there and they should have died with them and stuff like that right so his cover story also for how he you know exited his actual real life was cool i personally just don't i feel bad saying this but of course as a you know if if you're gonna if we're gonna review a movie we got to review every part of it including the performances and i don't necessarily think that it was acted the best by the, the the person that portrayed the the, the character seven, I I yes. think that um that too much of the stereotypical you know angry black man came out of him, and I I don't like seeing the the the, the stereotype of an angry black man on screen, especially when he's the only black character in the entire film. Yeah, I mean. I think the backstory was was pretty good, but I think the situations they put him in, he didn't fit into the team, like you said. He was on a much higher level than everybody else, except for one who had that unexplained moment where he knows martial arts uh, that Seven even commented on because he's like this weird 
in the team guy, but also an observer who's supposed to represent maybe the viewer, but I still don't really see how that fits his character. So it kind of ends up with a great backstory, but then the execution ends yeah. up being a little jumbled. Yeah. I mean, again, like I say, a lot of great potential in this. I like the idea of like where they were going with it and everything, but I just don't think that, uh, yeah, the execution is really, really the, the, the missing issue. And I, and again, for me, a lot of it has to do with like editing. I think that if you have the first 15 minutes, which was really high paced car chasing, and then the next portion, which is the actual first act, be all the backstories back to back in a way after you after you introduce seven and then you have him kind of go through the backstories of each individual character once you get all the backstories out of the way then you can have the 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 scene with three going to his uh mom and all that stuff and you can have the rest of the movie play out in a little bit more of a coherent manner where the movie makes a little bit more sense i think there's a lot of potential there but it just it, it misses the mark um, from a pacing and pacing and positioning uh, point of view, in my opinion, so that would have worked to get the stories out of the way at the beginning too. But even if you wanted to intersperse it throughout the movie the way that they did, a more effective way, maybe in a narrative sense, would have been to have their backstories come out in a scene or a sequence, either before or after they have to do something related to their use in the team, right? So, like, you give their backstory maybe before they have to do something. That shows their specialty. You know, the reason I don't think it could work is because of all the other other elements of a Michael Bay film. There's so much going on with everything that he wants to do. That's why it doesn't work. See, it can work in a movie like Ocean's Eleven where backstories are given sporadically, but it's also a much slower paced movie. Um, without like a bunch of bells and whistles, explosions, camera angles, and a lot of you know hectic on-screen stuff going on you know so like because it's hard to like cut away from all this like you know uh chaos for a backstory but in oceans 11 it'll work because there's not a lot of chaos what what did you guys think of i wanted to ask what did you guys think of because i thought like most of the characters had a somewhat intriguing backstory when we got it it wasn't terrible for some of them. Some were better than others. But what did you think of, like, One's backstory? Because why did they portray him? He, he's very, very kind of difficult to understand as a character. He's a billionaire who's faked his own death, I guess, but is also yeah. a super genius, which is why we had the Iron Man reference, I guess. Like, like what did you guys think of, of him as a character? Because I found him to be, I guess, the Michael Bay movie, so he's not over the top. But, like, I just thought it was strange. Like, he seemed to me like... like um like almost a, a, ex, a deus ex machina character that just needed to do whatever the plot required at moments. Um, no, I, 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 uh, I liked his character, but I'll go into why I liked him and whatnot. I know um, Walt uh, and Eli and stuff have, have, have to get a chance to speak over here. I feel like I'm kind of taking over the mic and stuff, but um, Walt, what, what did you guys think? Walt, Eli, AJ, what do you guys think of uh, one? And I'll give my thoughts after. Um, well, first things first, I don't understand how he was a billionaire, but then all of a sudden he turns into like a freaking hitman. Like he was doing like some really, really like he was, he was, he, it looked like he was trained to like fight, but like Mm -hmm. all the backstory Mm -hmm. portrayed him as was a billionaire and somebody who was like 
literally um uh uh help uh helping a charity organ organization he seemed like a, yeah yeah he, he seemed like a normal person well considering like normal billionaire person it's like jocko like, all of a sudden being able to fight the likes of vegeta yeah bro, for, <laughs> yeah. Real, for real for, for me i didn't understand I the character you. because <laughs> <laughs> okay yeah. Um, I, I didn't get his character because, you know, originally they portray him in the, um, I guess, in the medical, the medical refugee camp and whatnot. No. Where he pretty aloof, you know, he, yeah. he was just there for the photo op, the social media opportunity and stuff like that. It didn't seem like. No, no, no. I think you guys missed it a little bit. So what no, it is. I, is like, He's, uh-huh. he's he's uh, essentially an Elon Musk kind of character, somebody yeah. that like creates, you know, he uses no, intellect. But, but it, he's it, also it, he's also a um, what's the word? A uh, philanthropist. And the reason he was out there was from a philanthropist point of view, not because he's in the medical field himself, but because he's a philanthropist and he's just trying to get like the photo ops and stuff like that and do a little bit of helping. Right. You know, I, but I didn't get the sense that he was truly invested in what he was doing. I think he was, he was just doing it because of the fact that you know what? Hey, I'm I'm throwing my money around. I'm the rich guy. Look at me. I'm doing all these good, great things. Yeah, with my I think feel like he was really invested was in genuine. the in the in that particular you know, reason. I, he and was you want know- photo op for him, and out of all of the characters, I think his backstory was the weakest because there are so many questions as to as to what he is, how does he know the things that he he knows, you know. Um, they really didn't, they just kind of put him out there and expected you to know that he's a tech guy, that we don't yeah. know what kind of company he runs, we don't know his interests, you know. Again, with that whole refugee camp, it wasn't that, you know, they didn't show him as a person that cared for the people that were there. He was just throwing his money around. And there was even a point where it was like, oh, look, it's just a rich guy, you know? Yeah, and, and so I mean, for him to turn around and all of a sudden see the destruction, it just seemed like a very stark turn, you know? Whereas if they had shown him, you know, kind of being there, it's like, oh, you know, I'm here for you guys, you know, walking around amongst all the people and, you know, acting more invested yeah. then that turn that turn would have been a little bit more believable you know but you know it, why it, you, you know yeah. the thing is that um they it's it's elon musk is the wrong reference it's the tony stark because i think what they were yeah. doing there is the same thing that tony stark did in iron man one where he's in the humvee and he's like trying to be cool and like take let's take a picture you know peace sign up and stuff like that you know he's trying to do like i think that's what they were trying to emulate you know the rich guy that's doing something and whatnot and it's just there for the photo op you know but um yeah i get that you know Right, it's, but that's I think they just did it too condensed, right? Because they showed that, exactly. and then the thing that changed him from being this, you know, billionaire, super smart guy to somebody that wants to save the world was all in just that one scene where you know all those people died and he walked away carrying the little girl. I think right, they just, exactly. yeah, well, you know, with, with Tony, with Iron Man and Tony Stark, 
you had that moment and then you know he was he was broken and you know he was injured and he had to rebuild himself and in the, and there you saw him changing as a character in this one they blow up a thing and then all of a sudden you know he's like he's like a heart of gold you know what i mean i think right. it was just exactly what you said it was way too condensed to make it make it believable and whatnot yeah. you know Jose, Jose I don't think it needs to be necessarily that believable, but like I also think that there there were a couple of holes that were a little too huge because the way that he describes himself, he practically invented the modern world. Like you figure if this guy's running around doing anything anywhere in the world, people will recognize him. Like cuz he didn't change his appearance. Like what did he say he invented like all of these things oh. that essentially define the modern world. Like at one You're point and then, unless he was joking. Yeah, like, and nobody knows who this guy is running around and doing his his terrorist hunting activities, gallivanting all over the world. Okay, I mean, but whatever. That's that. That is kind of a big hole. You're right about that. That's a little odd to me, but um, what what else, what did you guys think about the the villains in this movie as well? And that kind of. Well, hold on. Before we get there, uh, yeah. Do you think? That if Elon Musk was in the uh, same vicinity as the president and the generals of, you know, Turkmenistan, do you think that they might be able to recognize him? Um, possibly, yeah, possibly. Yeah. I think I that there is some plausibility for it, but you know, I mean, if he's but if he's one of the most famous people on on the planet that died four years ago. You know, like you still, I don't know. I mean, there's have it's, doppelgangers it's and stuff. But anyway, regardless, well, it, a lot it, of people, the movie has a ton of holes. I definitely get that. That is true. A lot of people also saw them in this movie because they killed <laughs> yeah. everybody. Yeah. yeah so, <laughs> but then again, they killed everybody, right? So there's no witnesses. Yes, it doesn't matter. <laughs> <laughs> Except uh, for one, he was one like thing motorcycle I, I bike. Oh, what okay. was that? Mm-hmm. One thing I will say though, um, remember there is there is a point where the the evil dictator is speaking to like this British woman. Remember, yes. Where they're they're saying, well, how do we not know who these people are? And she literally points to the the doctor. I forgot what number she is. Five. And you know, like, well, yeah, we don't know who they are, but she died four years ago. Yeah. So how and do you not know who she is? If she's about, well, we go after the threads of when the so I, that part didn't make sense to me because like you know she was like well you know we we attach threads and we do all of that but she died four years ago. You what know you I think know? like they were, what they did was poorly she explained. Has family. I'm pretty sure she had friends. You know what I'm saying? That didn't make sense to me. I think it's because if what they were trying to do was explain how, like, hey, this doctor died four years ago, but yet we don't know who they are in the sense that they there's no passports being registered, there's no driver's licenses being registered, there's no money trail, there's no paper trail. A better thing they would they should what they should have said is like, hey, we don't know who they are because they died four years ago, so this is who the person is, but there's no paper trail ever since then. So but they're they here and they're in China and stuff like that, huh? But yes. they do have a past, and so yeah, yeah I know these people. What's the first thing that you do? I mean, 
even shows like like Supernatural are, are smart enough to do that, where they say, well, if we can't get the person, let's go after either family or friends or colleagues or acquaintances, yeah. because obviously she knew, she knew who that person was. Yeah, that is, that's a big hole. Yeah, that's a big the one. Entire, the entire basis of Spider-Man and all superhero comic books is that's why you have a secret identity. And if you go yeah, around the right. world, even if you've been dead for, in quotes, for however long they've been dead, they still recognized that they were dead um, people that once existed. Anyway, who brought up who brought up the villains? I, I was wondering what you guys thought about the villains and like maybe the plot overall of the villains as well as the plot to overthrow the villains, I guess, overall. Even though I know we don't focus on that that much again in a Michael Bay movie, but um, just a very quick thought for me. I actually didn't like the whole good brother, bad brother thing. I think somebody said that earlier also. If my, um, I didn't like necessarily that that was part of the plot. Um, I think that's been overdone in a lot of stuff recently, and that's kind of the reason why, um, not to spoil it too much, but I wasn't as big of a fan of season two of Jack Ryan as I was the first. Because um, I like characters to have... Because you could even do that in a cheesy action movie. You can have characters be a little bit more human and complex. So I didn't like that there had to be a good guy and a bad guy. Yeah, that's true. Simple thoughts. I only have one word, and it's a word I mentioned in the uh, <laughs> opening six word uh, description mm-hmm. Murica. Mm-hmm. That's why. That is basically the plot to me. Murica. Yeah. Um, me personally. I'm sorry? Same goes for the villains, too. Yeah, you know me personally with the villains. Um, what I don't like is, you know, the the this villain, the main villain, you know, the the president of Turkmenistan, I guess oh, one of those stands. No, it's Turkestan. I think that's a Turkestan. Okay, it's a fictional. Oh, okay, so, all right. So anyway, the president, he he just he essentially to me was essentially like a carbon copy of the main villain from bad boys too, the, you know, the Cuban guy and stuff yeah. who, yeah, that's true. you know, he, he plays this like playboy that's uh, disillusioned with it, not disillusioned, but like he's, you know, has like these illusions of grandeur and then everything he's doing is right, you know? Um, but he's also like into, flashy things and stuff like that and then actually now that i think back on it the ending of the movie kind of plays the same way as the ending of bad boys 2 where he retreats to uh his boat and in bad boys 2 the guy retreats to his villa in cuba and then they got to find a way onto the boat you know and extract and this that and the other and um you know man michael bay's got to stop rehashing his own plots (laughs) 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 <laughs> um but yeah like I, I didn't like him as a main villain simply because he never gave me the the president of a country feel you know no. he yeah. felt more uh, like a henchman if anything yeah yeah he he really did you know and and um you know if you're president you have a lot more at your disposal you know if you lose four generals then guess what you're just gonna barricade yourself with your entire army then you know, uh, I don't see how he lost his four generals. And then from that point on, he's just traveling around with a couple like security guards and stuff and just didn't make any sense. I, th- I think that... he was very much a, a cartoon character. And, you know, 
it's interesting because I, I you guys remember that scene then, right? Where he um he lost his four generals and then all of a sudden they're having a meeting at the top of the building yeah, and he picks the next mm-hmm. four in line and instead of, you know, uh, having them, you know, promoted to that thing, he throws them off the building and then yeah. says, "Well, those guys, I don't trust them. I'm going to trust Everything about that character, you know, the thing about this movie, the the movie wasn't about the villain. It was more the 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 action to get the villain out of there because you could have you could have put anybody in that role, and it really didn't matter. It could have been a villain. It could have been the president. It could have been just the general. It could have been you know anybody. He really you know. But he, look, I, I kind of like that rooftop scene, though. I kind of like not, that rooftop scene. What was that? It was a cool scene in itself. I kind of like that rooftop scene because you have to remember what he said also because he was like, these four men are the four men who stood to gain the most from the loss of the other four generals. Yeah. So I can't was, trust that. Like, that was interesting. Top, but, like, it, it was over the top. But, like, to me, that's not even the part that didn't make sense. It's more of what Wolfie is saying. It's like, at that point, he should have been on, on lockdown. After all that, yeah, happened, I know. Better we did it. That's more why it didn't it didn't really um, resonate with me because then it would have been more like right. here's a guy with power, you know what I mean? Like you both kind of said like here's a president, here's the leader of a nation who can now like create this huge obstacle that they now have to overcome, which they never really did. Like Wolfie said, there was no big obstacle they had to overcome either. It was right. Super- and, yeah. and again, he was just a cartoon character because his 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 actions were well, you know, they're going to invade. Well, I'm going to bomb my people to let yeah. them know what happens if some if you guys do something to us. And you know, it was constantly this, you know, trying to get over overdo the next action. Well, if I bombed my people in the camp, now the next action is I'm gonna bomb all the hospitals, all the schools. You know, it 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 he he was the plot I, was very thin. Anything, you know? Yeah. Except it's like a, a plot device to say, oh, well, he's a real bad guy. We got to get rid of him, you know? Yeah, it um, just it doesn't make a lot of sense. Um, I want to agree with um, uh, Jose because um, I feel like if you're a public figure and you're at risk of, like, being, like, harmed or even killed in – because he was killed in this movie, so um, yeah, I feel like way. you should—you're the one who's making the plans, but you're not necessarily going out directly to the firefight. Um, you stay inside, like you're whatever it is. Like Donald Trump, he doesn't. He, yeah. He, oh boy. Yeah. <laughs> well, you know, I, that's not even a good example. No, because he's not even a president. Yeah. You didn't attack the problem, and you feel like yes, a dictator with power so like that don't, 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 don't. would attack it, would attack the problem. I mean, I, I, um, I feel like that's how they would do it. But what, what else do you think, Eli? Um, oh, uh, I felt like I felt like he should have been on lockdown, and I felt yeah. like um. He should have been on lockdown because he is a public figure. Um, he was a disposable was villain. Just, you know, yeah. It's, and the thing is, like, he shouldn't be a disposable villain when he's 
the main villain. You know, I can understand everyone else being clearly disposable villains, but it just doesn't make sense. And then the other thing too is, I don't know, like I thought that it was really thin to have his brother basically in a penthouse prison in Hong Kong. Um, You know, like a better a better storyline would have been that his brother is is in hiding and the president of this country can't seem to find his brother while his brother is doing secret communications to try to start up a revolution you know because mm-hmm. so you're telling me now that like this guy who has been in hiding for x amount of years completely away from the public all of a sudden has the entire trust of the nation to now lead them and control them I, yeah, I the don't revolution know. started in five minutes. <laughs> yeah, the revolution completely started. The entire country was overtaken in five minutes under the leadership of this guy that they have never, that they haven't seen in X amount of years, and don't even know if they can trust him. Like, how do you gain this? Like, it's it's just it's just Michael Bayism. Yep. I mean, well, as as much as it it doesn't make sense, I feel like the only reason it would make sense is because. Maybe they just don't want the guy there. They would do anything to take he him out. Bombing. That's true. Tree yeah. regularly. Oh. Can't imagine. Um, they, like, no, no, go on. I can't imagine like, uh, like I know you have to be careful with these kinds of choices, but I guess part of the beauty is bay- of Bayism is that you can take everything at face value. Yeah. yeah, it's it's just a bunch of cool scenes put together in uh, X amount of time limit. Um, I guess when Michael Bay doesn't have any restraints, he has no time limit. <laughs> um, yeah. I feel like he just did like a bunch of scenes and decided not to. He just told his editor, don't leave anything out. I don't want to make a director's cut. Just put it all together, you know? Okay. Um, so I want to ask, what are your guys' favorite parts of the movie or favorite scenes and least favorite scenes or least favorite parts one and one one and one um, I'll, I'll i can go ahead and go first to give you guys some time to think about it yeah yeah go, go ahead so start us off so i would say that um the my favorite scene well let me start with my least favorite scene actually my least favorite scene was really the part where like out of nowhere, the parkour guy is being like fake tortured and uh, like about to get like killed mm-hmm. by Ryan Reynolds by mm-hmm. one and shit. And like, I don't, I don't understand. Like, I still don't actually, I don't know if I missed something, but I don't get like what happened in that scene. But I felt like that was completely unnecessary. Like, you can completely skip that entire section of the movie and it adds no weight and value to the 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 film at all i i mean if anything it just it'll i think it'll make the movie play better if you remove that scene altogether mm-hmm. um my favorite scene is towards the end which i think it's probably the most coherent character development scene for one which is ryan reynolds he is visiting uh in italy the woman that he ends up sleeping with throughout the movie um, and it turns out that he has a kid. Mm-hmm. And in this one scene where he has no dialogue, you have his reason for being. You know, he wants to make the world a better place for his child. And we see him go into like a lockbox in his shipyard or, you know, whatever. Um, and 
you can see that he has like a guess of will and testament that in the case of his departure, that all his money goes to his son. So that was probably my favorite scene because it did kind of bring his character development finally to fruition. Um, it just did a little bit too late in the movie. So. Okay. Um, All right. Well, you guys already know what my favorite scene was, if you can even call the it credits. Uh, <laughs> credits. Yes, but uh, again, the only highlight for me was when the he tried so desperately to knock him out, but he just couldn't do it. <laughs> like, uh, it's butt humor, but like, really, I. I I I kind of I didn't want to laugh, but it was like, oh my god, this is like something I'd find one of my uh, one of my characters doing, or one of the character. Ah, never mind. Yeah, from the D and D. Yeah, D He's talking about his D and D campaign, which that would be like getting critical yeah. ones across the board. <laughs> yeah, trust me, that's not nice when that happens to you. Like. Point right. is, you don't want that happening. Um, and then I guess for my actual least favorite scene, um, I mean, I didn't really. Uh, I mean, I'm not gonna say everything was bad, but like, uh, there's gotta be one. I guess if you had, uh, okay, the mad. All right, here's what it is. We, we all know that this guy's specialty is magnets for some reason. Right. The whole thing where the whole ship becomes a magnet, just like completely, What? What? why did we need that? I, I honestly saw no need for that. Like, this, this is completely unnecessary. That's true. I mean, it, it, it's a little bit of a far stretch. I mean, what, like people don't have like molars? In their teeth and stuff, and I don't know how they have any guns that are completely plastic, but no one from the Underground Six team was affected by the magnets, even though we for damn sure know that bullets have to work with metal casings. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, you know. Okay. Um, I'll go next, and I'll start with my least favorite scene, and I, I think that has to be that that whole scene of the dictator and his brother in Hong Kong, it just, you know, a lot of, a lot of the plot surrounding them just didn't make any sense. You know, for me, kind of like what you said, I think there was a better way to depict the brother. Maybe like you said, either have him as a, as an outcast of the country um, or you could, you could even go one better and just make him like the the man in the iron mask where he has him in a prison somewhere. But, you know. Oh, that's right. Yeah, that, w- that would have made even more sense. But instead, you have him in the lap of luxury. You know, um, it didn't make any sense. I guess maybe it was brotherly love that you're going to imprison him in, like, a place that has terracotta statues and samurais and, you know, the best art and and stuff but it i i didn't get any of that you know it was you could have done that whole plot line so much better um in terms of my favorite scenes i i have a hard time with that because i really didn't have a favorite scene i mean there were there were some 
bits and parts of a scene that I that I thought was inventive and I thought that it was nice. But you know, I mean the the fifteen minute chase scene at the beginning was way too long. Um but it there was had so some, many people being hit. <laughs> right. It had some interesting things about it. The magnet scene, while interesting in the way that they were ragdolling all the bad guys, where, like you said, none of none of the good guys were affected. Interesting, but you know, there was really nothing that I like the parkour scenes. I guess if I had one choice, the you know, parkour was dope. The first person view, the GoPro view, but again, like Eli said, that's something you can watch on YouTube and Facebook and Instagram. You don't have to spend two hours of a movie just to watch that to be your favorite scene. So, um, yeah, that's true. That that's my thing. The parkour scene, the parkour scene, could have been better without the meme song. I think. Oh, absolutely, absolutely. <laughs> you he just made it so cheesy by doing the run. Dare, dare, dare. Was that, you know? Why was that even a thing, bro? I mean, there there are movies that do parkour scenes exceptionally well. I, I remember the, the parkour scene in Casino Royale as being one of them. There's another French movie oh, which, yeah. which the it, it, it escapes me, but the parkour and that was amazing. You didn't have to drop a meme song to make no. it cool. You know what I'm saying? You know what? Yeah. You know what? What made his character? I think actually overall his character was probably the best character in my opinion. But what made his character so good is while well, the parkour for me in the movie good was the fact that um, you know, it was parkour because that's literally what he does. It's not parkour because it's just a cooler like in Casino Royale. There's parkour in it, but. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like just a scene. This is this character's identity, which is yeah, was cool. Life. I just, yeah, I just wish it didn't have that song on there. And some of the parkour stunts were great. I mean, remember when they were when he was in that abandoned building, he was jumping from pillar to pillar. You know, I mean, there yeah. was some really good stuff there. But that, you know, yeah, that shit was crazy with an explosion going on in the background. Ex- one guy. Who was literally there just to chuck grenades? It seemed like where this guy is parkouring from building to building, and that one guy is always in perfect position to throw a grenade. You know? Yeah. I don't know. That, uh, that's. Um, so I'm gonna go Eli? next. Uh, I'm gonna go next, and um, I'm gonna start off with my favorite scene. Because I don't really have a bad scene, and I think we all know why. But um, my favorite scene is probably the car chase scene. As much as it was, like, way too long for the whole entire movie, I felt that it was... I felt that it it was really the most, other than, like, a few fight scenes, the most action-packed out of the entire movie. Um, The car chase scene. And that's all I have to say. So, okay. Jose, you're up next. All right. So, for me, the scene that I actually liked the most was I liked, I actually really enjoyed for the action and for the parkour and for some of that, the character development with what Wolfie said, I agree, is is one of the better characters uh, was four. I like the Hong Kong scene. That whole action scene was pretty cool to me. Like I liked how they 
did all that crazy stuff with the pool. I like the parkour sequence. I like that that's where they kind of turned one's character to somebody who cared a little bit more about the team. Um, I like the jokes in that scene when the um, when three got hit by the laughing gas, even though it was kind of stupid. Like some of the movies he were quote he was quoting and some of the things he was saying were were kind of interesting. Like he quoted Breaking Bad when he's like, "I am the danger." And then Ryan Reynolds like said, no more quoting movies. Yeah, like, that actually was kind of funny. A, that's not a that's movie. That's a good joke. Yeah, like that was an interesting and decent scene, I think. That was one of the better scenes in the movie. And um, but for me, the scene that I that I just really didn't enjoy was, like you said, a lot of uh, – even though he was one of the better characters – um or actually no that's not the that's not the scene i least enjoyed actually the scene i least enjoyed was near the end i didn't like the magnet the magnet craziness i thought that was silly i thought that was out of place with the rest of the movie it was a little too sci-fi it kind of it it had one good joke where ryan reynolds said he was like i feel like i'm using the force um (laughs) yeah that was really funny actually that was funny but like that was pretty much the only like redeeming quality of that scene you had the crazy knives flying around and stabbing people like i feel like all those people should have just died from the initial magnets tossing stuff around the room i think it should yeah it should have just been used once as like a pal and then that's it yeah but just like everything that's in michael bay overused yeah overused (laughs) super overused so that for me, yeah, was my my favorite scene and my least favorite scene. All right, all right. Yeah. All right. So let's wrap up, fun. Yeah. Should we then go into a? Let's not. Yeah. Let's make sure this podcast doesn't go as long as the movie. <laughs> yeah. Um. Uh. Ratings. Um. I'll. I'll wait to hear Eli's. I'll. I'll go first. Uh. For me, it was. I'm gonna say uh, I'm gonna say a four out of ten. It wasn't okay. a great movie, really, by any means. There were some parts that were entertaining and some parts that were fun. Uh, some of the characters were good and could have been good if they had been fleshed out more. And I think that four could have had his own freaking movie. Honestly, that could have been its own movie on its own with all that cool parkour and his his theft background, his background as a thief. I mean, um, oh, man, I just got another cool idea that would yeah. make the movie better. Go on, sorry. So yeah, I'll make this relatively quick though, so you can make that point. But yeah, like it had some redeeming qualities, but overall, it was not an entertaining movie. It was way too long, and it was just like um, it was a cluster F without saying the without saying the actual curse word, but it was a cluster of too much. And that's why, for me, it was a 4 out of 10. Okay. So I guess I'll go next so I can make my point then. Um, I think uh, – so in, I, I will probably – I want to give this movie a 3 out of 10 mm-hmm. uh, just because, for me, if I base it, like, in my own head, I guess, like, 1 out of 3 would probably be skip it. Don't watch it. It's not necessary. Mm-hmm. Um, so I kind of want to – I want to give it a 3 because I really don't think that you need to watch it. Mm-hmm. Um you can watch it if you want to just, I think, have something in the background with a few tidbits of humor here and there, but you don't really care to pay too much attention to the actual plot because there isn't one. Um, there isn't a good one, at least. Uh, so, yeah, for me, it would end, it, it's it's a three uh, where anybody that wants to can just skip it. 
I would say that like it can move to a little bit of a higher rating, I guess, if there's more movies to watch that kind of require it. Uh, if they come out with more films, but that's kind of where I'm at. Um, and the point that I wanted to make is that like this movie would have been this, you know, you shouldn't come out of a movie saying how it could have been so much better. You know, um, like we have so many times with uh, Star Wars. God, I got to stop bringing that up anyway. <laughs> Um, but essentially it's the same situation for me. This movie would have been so much better if the movie focused on mainly Ryan Reynolds forming his team for the majority of the film. And then the final act will be the six, you know, it's essentially like you could say, keep it Deadpool-esque a little bit, but make sure that like his team of six don't die on the landing. Like they did in X-Force in, uh, in the actual Deadpool movie. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think that the film would have been dope if it was just like he fakes his own death and then he wants to do something about like fixing the world. So he recruits his team and then they do their mission, just their one mission. And then the rest of the movies that come out can be about multiple missions, you know. But unfortunately, Michael Blade doesn't like to simplify anything. So, Dude, uh, yeah, been, that's where I'm at. This could have been two different movies if you set it up your way, actually. Yeah, you man. That that yeah. Yep, yep. Mm-hmm. So it's funny you say that because I was going to say that this is this movie probably would have been better served if they cut it in half. Um, yeah, I think that it, uh, I don't think it would have fixed some of the issues that we're talking about, but at least um, I don't think we would have come out as exhausted as we did after watching the movie. Yeah. <laughs> I paused. I got. I got. Sorry to interject, but I did actually pause the movie a couple times just to see how much time was left. Yeah, right. Exactly. We did the same thing. You know, um, I, I literally finished watching this movie like maybe twenty minutes before we got on to talk about it. So, um, it's funny because as we as we go and we record this podcast my feelings of the movie um, got worse and worse because <laughs> I, I have to, one of my guilty pleasures is watching the movie Wanted. Um, and it's, <laughs> yeah, I like that one. Yeah, that's a movie that's over the top, but you know, I can watch that movie over and over again and not feel like I wasted two hours of my time. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. And I went into this movie kind of expecting that, knowing that it's Michael Bay and knowing that it's Ryan Reynolds and stuff like that. And um, when I initially stopped watching the movie, I said, okay, it's not that bad. But as we've gone on and, you know, kind of broken down all the huge flaws that this movie has, my 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 sense of the, the movie has gone down a, a little bit. Um, initially I thought this was a movie that if you wanted to waste some time and you had nothing better to do, this might be something that you can just, you know, sit down, you know, park your, your brain at the door and just say, Hey, let's just watch it. But it's, and to echo what Jose said, if Ryan Reynolds wasn't in this movie, this movie would be utterly unwatchable. Yeah, that's true. So that being said, you know, I I have to give this movie a four, you know, and I and I'm being generous at that, you know. Um, there are some good parts, and usually it's 
because of Ryan Reynolds. And, you know, he has a lot of charisma. And, you know, we, we all know the comedic actor that he is. And, you know, he could take he could take anything and make it funny, you know. Um, but there were just so and it, Like I said, it was so exhausting to watch after a while, you know. There was so much going on. And, and literally, we did stop to pause it to see, okay, we're down to 20 minutes. I even, I even text you guys. I said, Hey, 30 minutes more. And we're, we're at the yacht scene. You know what I'm saying? Um, I I wanted to really like this movie and I just couldn't, you know, it's, it's, it's got, it sits at a very generous four for me. Okay. Yeah. However, Uh, will not be very generous. Uh, (laughs) You know what? It is sad. I genuinely thought that the premise for this movie would actually be pretty interesting. Yet somehow it's managed to completely blow up in my face. (sighs) Like, it's one thing if you want to make a heist movie, but it's another thing to make a heist movie inside of a heist movie inside of a heist movie. There were a total of three heist sequences. Why did we need that? Like, I get that you're trying to tell the story, but for me, that is incomprehensible. I cannot watch three straight sequences of the same goddamn thing. Mm -hmm. Wow. Oh, he said the goddamn word. It, it really just, uh, so did you. <laughs> if I didn't like action movies before, this literally drove a nail in the coffin. Like, I'm sorry. I generally like to be open-ended with my review of movies, but this was just, it was unbelievable, to so, say the least. So, so it's resting at a 2.5 for me. So, AJ, tell us what you really think. <laughs> I mean, wow. Okay. Yeah. Go uh, for it. It was a lot, uh, of, a lot of okay. different movies in one, though. I so, uh, I think I have the harshest rating out of everybody, and I don't want to... I don't actually want to mess up, like, whoever's listening to this and make it think, make it think like, make them think that like this movie is complete trash. So I'm just going to be very generous when I say this. Okay. Initially when I walked in, I had a five as my reading and I, I really liked it. And when, when, um, we started talking about this, just like Walt said, and we started breaking this down, it officially went down to a two. So anyway, (laughs) Right. Um, making this very generous. I like the car scene, and I liked Ryan Reynolds with his acting skill. Thank you very much. Alrighty then. Yeah, passing the mic, dropping the mic. And there wow. you have it. Yep. So that puts the movie uh, somewhere around a three or so, on average, three and a half between all of us. All right then. I think this is the harshest rating we've given uh, anything yet, right? Nope. No, Rise it's of, not. No, Rise oh. of Skywalker. Technically, there was also that movie where you couldn't even finish the review. 
Oh, Dragon Ball Evolution? <laughs> yeah. Oh, yes. Yeah, but we never... So, just for our fans, me and Eli decided to watch Dragon Ball Evolution um, because our we had just finished seeing Dragon Ball Super and we figured it'd be a nice counterpoint. Mm-hmm. Um, we started recording the episode and we just couldn't finish it because... It was that bad, so yeah. That that episode is lying in a way for everyone. Just just so you know, if if you want to hear this like stupid load of trash about like freaking Dragon Ball Evolution, then please comment, please please. Yeah, maybe maybe you can do a mini mini hate review of that. We well, couldn't I, even yeah. do that, Jose. We couldn't even <laughs> no, do that. No, no, no. We we did it. No. We recorded like what? We recorded like thirty minutes. No, not even. I don't think so. Like twenty. Like twenty-five. Twenty-five. Oh. Well, that's something. Yeah. You know, that's yeah, we that's just couldn't do it. No. That's quite a significant amount of opinion um, on that particular film, which I have refused to see actually, um, and I will never watch yeah, it. Oh, yeah, never watch it. This movie. Yeah, yeah, We'll say like that we kind of pull this out to see like, hey, what random movie can we watch uh, while we're all under quarantine and review together? So it didn't go so well. That's okay. That's what we're here for, to give you guys in-depth reviews for all of this kind of stuff. Any other final thoughts from you guys on this movie? A single, a single word, perhaps? I would have... Yeah. To make sure that there are no sequels. End of story. <laughs> there probably will be. I would expect that there will be because it's Netflix and. Alright. Yeah. Alright. Alright then. So, as always, for all of you out there, thank you for joining us. We hope that you're all doing well. You're all doing safe out there. Lindor's. Enjoying all of these great movies and TV shows. Let us know what you've seen. Let us know what you think about some stuff that's come out recently. Listen to some podcasts while you're inside. Why don't you? And as always, you guys know you can find us at all major podcast platforms. Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify. Just search for our podcast online. You won't have a problem finding us. And you can also find us on Facebook. And you can find us on captivate.fm.getgeeknews as well. Um, check us out, guys, as always. Um, give us your feedback. And thanks for joining us for another episode of the Get Geek Podcast for the entire crew here. As always, I want to say, stay geeky, all of you out there, my friends.